Hi, and welcome to Stefan Levera Podcast, a show about Bitcoin and Austrian economics. Today, we're talking about Ronin Dojo and Tanto. So for those of you interested in Bitcoin for use in more private ways, this is the project for you to consider. So Zelko is the founder of the Ronin Dojo project. So Zelko and Din join me to talk about some updates, where the project started, this FOSS project ethos. So FOSS means free open source software, for those of you who don't know. And we talk about various ideas as well as the evolution of Bitcoin nodes over time, uh, the FOSS business and project aspects, Tanto hardware, as well as supporting Spectre and Sparrow. This show is brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, the easy way to buy Bitcoin and also learn about it. Swan makes various resources available for free for customers and for high net worth individuals or those of you with a business or an entity. If you're looking to stack, check out Swan Private. Swan Private gives unlimited access to experts and seasoned hands. Swan Private also can help you in terms of stacking inside your IRA, your Roth, your 401k retirement account with full support for trust, business, and other entity accounts. You also get expert guidance on choosing the right custody option for your assets. So go to swanprivate.com. Lend at HodlHodl is a peer-to-peer Bitcoin-backed lending platform, so you can lend or borrow stablecoins globally and anonymously. Sign up in just 30 seconds and borrow stablecoins without any verification. And as part of this, you deal directly with other people. And together with that other person, you control your collateral through the whole deal with all interest paid at the end. Now, on the other hand, if you have stablecoins, you can earn extra on those stablecoins by lending at the highest returns. You're issuing over-collateralized loans with full interest guaranteed. Lend at HODL HODL. Lend and borrow stablecoins on your terms at your desired interest rates. There are no hidden fees, the terms and conditions are transparent, and users control the keys in the deal in escrow. Go and check it out at lend.hodlhodl.com. For those of you interested to start with Bitcoin mining, Compass Mining are making it easy to do this. If you are in the US, you can select a Bitcoin ASIC machine and have that shipped to your home and use the at-home mining guide. On the other hand, if you want to use some of the vetted facilities that Compass Mining offer, you can have your machine shipped to that facility and have it plugged in and turned on. Now, you obviously pay hosting fees and then you select which mining pool you want to mine sats with and off you go. So you don't need advanced technical knowledge to get started. You can use Compass Mining and they have all sorts of guides and material to assist you in this process. You can also sign up for their newsletter, the email newsletter over at compassmining.io. And now onto the show with Zelko and Din. So Zelko and Din, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, man. We're, uh, we're super excited. Yeah, thank you. Super excited to uh... So we're doing an update on Ronin Dojo as well as chatting about Tanto. So just for listeners who are new and maybe they haven't heard as much about the privacy aspects of Bitcoin, Zelko, can you give us just an overview on the project and where it's at today? Yes, uh, of course. Yes. So Ronin Dojo is uh, a privacy focused, uh, completely free and open source uh, node project. And our whole goal and aim is to give you all the tools as a Bitcoin user to be as private as possible. Uh, it has all of your own tools to whether it's with uh, hardware wallets using Sparrow or Spectre, or whether it's with a Samurai wallet using Dojo, which is our main focus. And then also obviously whirlpooling and whirlpooling can be done now via either Sparrow or Samurai wallet. So we're super excited to have all these new capabilities and um, our latest release actually just updated all of our versions, ElectRS, um, ElectrumRust server and Spectre got updated as well as 
uh, dojo. So we're all, we're pretty excited about everything that we've got coming and then uh, all the stuff that we have coming in the future. Uh, we're definitely really excited. It's a, it's a really cool project. And um, I think the best part is that we're finally with Tonto now that we started to do pre-sales, we're finally able to fund ourselves and keep ourselves going as a false project and not have to rely on these big VCs to come in and kind of give us direction. So that, that's pretty exciting. And then I, I brought with me, me uh, our hardware guy, uh, Din Jaren. Uh, not to be confused with the actual Mandalorian, but yeah, so he's here. Uh, Dan, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I'm uh, Dean. I'm originally from uh, Switzerland, and I have this uh, typical electric engineering background, what we usually learn uh, in an apprenticeship when we are uh, 16 years old. And um, yeah, I just ended up then like uh, as an automation engineer for with some German companies the last 15 years in Asia for a commissioning engineer and a semiconductor in uh, the display industry. And uh, yeah, that's very short about myself, yeah. Excellent. And so just for listeners, if you're new, when you want to act more privately in Bitcoin, part of that involves learning to run your own Bitcoin node and connect your wallet and ideally use a wallet that has privacy enabled techniques and connect your own wallet to your own Bitcoin node. And so this is part of what the Ronin Dojo project is helping you do if you are willing to go down that pathway. And so Zelko, perhaps you could just give an overview. What are the main pathways for people? So I suppose you could just explain for people if they want to build their own versus if they want to purchase the product. Could you just spell out what it looks like for them? Yeah, sure. Um, so we have a couple different routes now, a lot more than we used to, but so we have the Tonto that you can buy from shop.ronandojo.io. Um, and that'll be, that's a plug and play. You know, you literally just plug in all the parts that you need, which is right there, your power sourcing your ethernet, and it just, uh, it'll load right up into the new Ronin UI. And then, um, otherwise we're also selling the exact same setup as a DIY kit through Mind Farm Buy. And he'll, he's actually going to be distributing uh, worldwide. So anybody that hasn't, that wants to pull the trigger and they want to save a little bit of money, they can buy through him. And that comes with all of the Rock Pro 64 parts, which is our recommended hardware. That is a single board computer for people that don't know. Um, it's a little bit more powerful than a, uh, a Raspberry Pi, which is famous in the uh, Bitcoin world. Um, but it's still our flagship and what I would recommend. And then we also support users being able to run pretty much any uh, single board computer that they have. Um, we support uh, we support with our images. Uh, some you know are a little have a little bit more you know technical hardware power issues, but we're here always here to help people get through the process. And so, yeah, we, we try to eliminate as many barriers as there are for people to transition over. So, yeah, you can do it with a Raspberry Pi. You can do it with the Rock Pro 64. Uh, you can do it by buying a Tonto straight through us, or you can buy a DIY kit through MindFarm Buy. So those are our main options right now. Fantastic. And so for listeners, you might be thinking, well, some of the main options are to either run a node on your PC, on your box, or to use a dedicated machine for this. And this is where the Rock Pro 64, the Tanto, etc., these options come in a little bit. 
And so, Dean, I know your focus is on the hardware. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, you know, how you came up with or what your approach is around the Tanto from a hardware perspective? It was actually a, a really long uh, journey. Um, I mean, so everything started like that. As I said, I'm like this um, engineer, like automation engineer, and I'm always used to build things which are like, they just need to run 24-7 and they have to be rock solid, right? So um, in kind of like, uh, just like two years ago or something like that, I could finally find some time uh, to get my hands on all the node projects, right? I was like, okay, now I have some time. I I uh, need to have my own node, right? And I, I bought probably every single com- uh, uh, single board computer, a couple of Raspberry Pis, and then also the uh, Rock Pro. and I bought all the cases and started to play around with all those different implementations, Umbrel, MyNode, and of course also then the, the uh, Ronin Dojo, and, and then I had my little box, and then usually it's always like a bit like a plastic case with a noisy fan or like some some wires, and, and that was kind of like, oh, okay, I need a note, but uh, I want to have something very solid. And then... Um, I went to a, to the local electronic store market. I mean, in Taiwan, this is pretty easy to pick up, and I got some like a, aluminium boxes from the shell. Um, was doing some some drawings for myself. Brought it uh, over to a local tool shop and told them like, "Hey, can I cut this out? I need and then uh, I need this block because I want to have a passive cooling and this and that." And then I had my little customized aluminium block box not so fancy and then i was like okay that's nice now and then i uh, posted it on the telegram groups and sure enough uh, silco was just like there and like hey what wh- what's that what are you doing here right and then um, and it all started like this yeah yeah uh, i'll be honest the funniest part about the whole experience was you know being like, uh, I think at that point in our time, right, like uh, for Ronin, uh, me and S2 kind of started this whole thing. We were, you know, some people would be like, hey, we want to help. We want to contribute. And then they would come in and, and they would help for a little bit. And then they'd, they'd go back to their lives. And, you know, that's kind of the nature of the FOSS community. Um, but, you know, so he he came in this Dinjarin, of course, like I'm, I'm a Star Wars nerd. So I was like, oh. I know that guy, Mandalorian. Cool. Um, I was like, I like him. And then he said, uh, he's like, oh, like, I want to make a metal case for you guys. He's like, would you guys be open to that? I was like, yeah. I mean, like, I guess. Sure, man. You know, like, I didn't have my hopes up. Um, And then, I don't know, like, within a few weeks, he came back with these, like, designs and drawings. And I was like, I, I mean, and this was not what you guys see now is Tonto, but I was still blown away. I was super excited and hyped up. And, um, and that's, I think for the Ronin team, it kind of turned our project from like a, um, from like a hobby into a, like we, we can actually, um, a hobby that we might be able to like, you know, support ourselves to something that like, Hey, we might be able to like do this for the long haul. We might be able to actually provide something that the Bitcoin community needs and is missing, which is, you know, an actual, an actual nice 
product for a full node. Um, and it's not to say that the other ones aren't nice, but this one is a, just a totally different feel. And so I, once I saw, especially the Tonto, I was like, we're onto something. And, uh, and yeah, it was all kind of downhill from there. This guy has been like 10 steps ahead of the game. So it was, it was a, it was pretty funny. I just like, didn't believe that it was going to actually come to fruition. Right. And that's the difference between a FOSS project and I, I guess it's sort of like building up a business around the FOSS project here. And so it might be that some of these projects start off as really just like a side hobby thing. And over time, if there is enough community interest and growth around it, then people can start to get paid back for that work that they're doing, that they're contributing into the open source comments. As yeah. It were. I mean, that that's a, a really good point. It was, I, I mean, that, that was our intention from the beginning. We wanted to make things easier for, uh, for Samurai users. And um, so we built something that was good for us and then, you know, other people started using it and that kind of led us into like how we decided to, to do this, um, you know, our product, mo uh, our product, uh, you know, rollout is it, we don't want anybody to be forgotten. We remember when, you know, me and us too, we remember when the Red Beast or the the Nodal Dojo first came out um, and people getting priced out. Like we remember that. And, and it's not, you know, it's nothing against them. Like they have really, they had a really good product and they had, um, they, they did what they thought was right. And I don't, I definitely don't knock them for it at all. Um, but that was kind of what started running. And so we didn't want to forget that, you know, we're a FOSS team whose whole idea and like identity re revolves around the community and revolves around everyone being involved and no one getting priced out. Um, so while we do have expensive products and we're going to have expensive products, we're also always going to have free software. We're always going to be able to support different devices. We might not have the time to support as much in as much detail on all platforms, but we're always going to support it. We're always going to allow it to run for the tinkers and the people that want to do it. Um, and so, yeah, we have <laughs> that kind of, that's kind of why we have that, you know, the free software we have the, um, the, the, the 3d printed cases for the, for that community. We're going to have the DIY kits that you can just buy straight from mine farm buy, or you can piece it together yourself. And then obviously the plug and play Tonto. Um, and then we'll have another product. <clears throat> we'll have another um, top of the line product that we'll be shipping out uh, later on this year, hopefully. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, I, it's a, a big difference. I think. I also just want to quickly jump uh, jump in this uh, force aspect. I mean, like, um, so for me, it was kind of like, I mean, the whole timing was just right for me too, you know, because uh, I just got off of a, uh, a project and I had time, right? And uh, and I really kind of like when Selko and his team started like so uh, really serious about that, hey, can you do that for us? I was kind of like, oh, I mean, I'm not a software engineer, right? But I can do hardware. So looks like it's my time now to contribute uh, to an open source project or to a Bitcoin, right? To me as a Bitcoiner, I also saw, saw my chance to give something back, right? And this is what I could actually do for this community, right? And that was really 
appealing for me too. And, and especially uh, in the Rune Dojo project, I could tell like, I mean, there is no revenue stream or like this is really like they, they don't have any funding or it looks like. So, okay, I have time. I can do that. And I really saw it more as a give back to the Bitcoin community as a whole with my skills. And before I was always thinking, oh, you need to be a coder, right? Zelko, I just want to go back to one comment earlier as well, just around the structure of the business, how, how to make it work. Now, I did an episode recently on VC funding and Bitcoin, and obviously there's quote-unquote crypto VC, and then there are, there are Bitcoin-focused VC investors out there. In your case, Zelko, could you tell us a little bit about why you wanted to avoid that pathway, maybe that why it was not the right choice for you? Yeah, so... I wouldn't say that we're, we necessarily were, we were like anti funding. Cause I, I don't think that's really the case. I mean, especially once we, once we kind of linked up with a uh, DIN and we had this, this legitimate product with the legitimate future, we were like, we needed funding and we kind of knew it, but we did have some like of our own personal money uh, that we had kind of put in and were keep, was keeping us afloat. We knew that we could kind of do it ourselves for a bit. Our biggest problem is because we did kind of reach out to a couple of people, but so many VCs in the Bitcoin space that we talk to, the first question that we get asked is, okay, so are you, you guys support Lightning, right? We're like, no, we don't support Lightning. And they're like, oh, okay, well, it's in the roadmap. And we're like, no, it's it's not at the moment, you know, like it's not something that we're focused on right now. Like we're the the privacy node, like that's what we do. And, um, and so it's kind of, I would say that that's been like the major turnoff. And I know that there's going to be people out there that, that want to, to get in on this project. Like they're going to see it. It's going to get their hands on. Um, but at the end of the day, we are very selective on who we want invested into our project. Like we want people who are on board with our vision and not people that want to try to steer or tell us what to do. If And at the end of the day, if we could even do it without any VC money at all, because we're able to sustain ourselves, then, you know, like that's even better. But if we did need VC funding, like it would have to be someone that aligns with our ethos and aligns with our, uh, our mindset, which is definitely against the grain. And I know that for the Bitcoin community, but I think that's kind of what the biggest piece was, was that we're, you know, as an, a node project without lightning and we're the only ones that don't have lightning. I think that's kind of been a, a point of contention if I had to, if I had to guess. I see. Yeah, totally fair. Uh, and so as I understand it, then, as you're saying, you would be open to it. It just needs to be the right person or right uh, group of investors with the right mindset, or at least an aligned mindset uh, in terms of the privacy focus. And I suppose that's not impossible. I mean, obviously, it, it's a different project. Samurai Wallet itself has uh, other outside investors, uh, but without having Lightning. And so maybe that's something where Ronan Dojo as a project uh, aligned with the Samurai Wallet team, then maybe that's also an angle uh, down the future. Um, I wanted to also talk a little bit about the hardware aspects of this. So Din, probably this is for you. I know that depending on the way the node has been set up, or let's say how long that node has been running, there can be reliability issues. And I know, Zelka, you've probably got things to add on this as well, but let's let's start with you, Din. Can you give us your thoughts on uh, why RockPro64 as opposed to, say, Raspberry Pi as your preference? I mean, there were kind of like um, different aspects. I mean, 
Rock Pro or uh, the Rock Pro 64 was kind of like really nice because we could um, use an M2 SSD uh, storage which you could connect to this uh, X4 so connector like it had like this native PCI so connector right and that for sure it enables you to sync up the blockchain for the initial block download uh, much quicker. So Din, just could you, if you could explain that just for listeners, what is the M2 SSD? Why is that a superior choice than some of the alternatives? Yeah, I mean, like, so the, the uh, Raspberry Pi guys, uh, they usually use the external uh, USB 3, so connector and just run that things with an external uh, hard drive. And when you have like a internal connection straight into the board, you know, that just, it just, you have the, a quicker bus. It just goes uh, faster. But that said, you know, this is just like a advantage what you have in the beginning. Like the first, maybe you, you, you save one, two, three days until you are uh, ready to go. But, um, so we also saw that when you use, um, these, uh, traditional 2.5, yeah inch drives i mean you need more space you have more cables you have uh, it just gets a uh, way more easier for the design and the rock pro i don't really know actually why they choose the rock pro as the flagship i mean it is more powerful but the lucky thing was actually like that i mean during or during this uh, this a uh, chip sh- uh, shortage surprisingly the pine 64 company also those guys they produce the rock pro 64 board they don't have any supply issues where you see the raspberry pies they even increase the price and when i ask my friends back in europe or so and they're always like oh it's out of stock it's out of stock and you don't have the problem i can't explain actually why this is but that's also kind of like a nice thing right what else? I mean, Zelko, do you? Yeah, Zelko, let's hear from you on any of your thoughts around hardware selection. Yeah, so, I mean, we originally decided to make our flagship the Rock Pro 64 mostly because it was faster and uh, more more computing power and more RAM uh, by default at the time. Um, but the the computing power, the CPUs, that's really, uh, that was like the, the seller for me. And then what he keeps talking about with these, the PCIe, um, these connectors that are on, that are available on a Rock Pro 64, um, it's the same thing that you have on a desktop computer. And so these NVMe cards or these uh, M.2, it's just a really small stick. So one, it saves a lot of space, but it's also extremely fast. It, it's like the next generation. So most people are used to seeing that 2.5 inch um, SATA 3 SSD, like that solid state drive, you know, so that that's already faster. It's a lot faster than like the hard drives that we used to see, but it's the next one is extremely fast. So the ones that we have in the Tonto, the M.2, I want to say the average that we're getting is for the entire block download is about 72 hours um, or less. Generally, it's between 48 and 72, depending on how fast your internet is. So it's a, it's a huge, it's a huge like performance increase. And so having that capability was massive. Um, and then kind of just fell into place with like rock bro with uh, pine being like really good as far as like taking care of the chip shortage and stuff like that. But yeah, it's just a really beefy 
piece of hardware. And it's really not that much more. It's it's about equivalent. If you were to buy a Raspberry Pi 8 gigabyte RAM version, it's about the same price. So, you know, in my opinion, I can add RAM. Most people might not know that, but you can utilize that solid state drive as a, uh, you know, add swap from there and just kind of increase your overall RAM capability. I'm not that worried about RAM. I'm more worried about how fast my computer can run and how how much computing power I have. So that's kind of why we went that way. Yeah. So just for listeners who are following along and maybe you're not as familiar, I think if you were to look at this space a few years ago, a common thing would just be to have a Raspberry Pi with, and some people were just doing even with spinning hard disk, right? So really like the cheap hard drives. And then over time, I think we've seen a shift there happen because of things like the speed of processing, the growth in the size of the blockchain, the ability to download and sync the Bitcoin blockchain quickly and also to stay up to date. So let's say if we're using Samurai Wallet and we're using Whirlpool, we've got lots of UTXOs, unspent transaction outputs, and those coins are continually needing to be uh, remixed. And so having hardware that's more suited for the task, I think that's essentially the evolution we've seen. So as you were saying, we've gone from... Uh, people using Raspberry Pi 3 and Raspberry Pi 4 with spinning hard drives to then upgrading to those SATA, the 2.5 inch. And now we're talking about the next evolution, which is trying to use the more advanced NVMe M.2 SSD style in order to give better performance and arguably better reliability. So uh, if you guys could just comment a little bit on your thoughts there around the reliability, the uptime aspects, uh, comparing you know the current generation or this new generation versus some of the older stuff. I, I like kind of laughing. I'm thinking about back in like you know 2016 and like using that Raspberry Pi 2. Uh, I'm not gonna date myself and say that I'm like this you know 2013 OG or anything, but I remember right. I remember uh, you know using a Raspberry Pi 3 and using a regular hard drive and like the instruct, like following a guide, the instructions were like, yeah, it takes about, you know, two to three weeks to download the blockchain. And I was like, Holy crap. Like, I guess I'll just come back and check on this later. It's amazing to see that, that hardware curve that we have. And, uh, and I have no doubt that everyone is going to be following in the same steps. That's, that's the curve, right? Like as, technology increases you know and the blockchain gets bigger technology increases with it and it gets cheaper as you know as space more space is required so yeah it's uh it's really cool to see where we're at right now and being able to download the blockchain and people like getting upset when it takes more than like four days and you're like if only you knew the real pain the real (laughs) struggle you know but you know i'm like come back to me when you've done like 45 ibds by yourself you know just for fun but yeah it's uh it's that's my opinion i think it's i think it's just really like uh remarkable to see how far we've come but din what's your uh what's your thoughts on that now maura about your question about uh m2 nvme ssd i mean like the spec says they last for like 1,500,000 hours, right? So I just did the math, you know, when you calculate the slides, it's like a hundred of, uh, I mean, 170 years or something. I mean, like, it's crazy, right? I mean, like a, a M2, NVMe SSD is uh, super reliable and they don't really break, right? So, and, and that's the nice thing about it. You are just operating 
in a layer one solution, there is actually no need anymore to have a rate configuration because those drives that are break, probably your abort will break, but not the drive, right? So that's, that's a really cool thing about this technology. Yeah. Just, just for like, I, I quickly did the math on that over, say, if you did 1 million hours, I think I did the math, right? Yeah. yeah. 1 million hours. That's 114 years. But yeah. so the blockchain will expand past that at some point, eventually. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. If lightning takes off layer two, we're good, right? And then the blocks don't get bigger. I don't know. Is that how it's supposed to work? <laughs> no, I guess not. Uh, I guess I'm just kind of being an asshole. That's my bad. Apologies. Oh, but like it, they're good, right? So you don't really need to worry about that they break, right? So that, that, that's the cool thing about those. It's okay. Yeah. That's always why Matt gets to say that, uh, Matt Odell gets to say that the uh, blocks aren't full anymore. It's just lightning adoption. So he's, uh, he's winning that battle. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think what we'll see is there will be some commerce and people who shift to other layers and that might include lightning, that might include other things, uh, but that will also make it more affordable for people who are staying on chain. So that is a benefit there for the people who, who are just on chain only, at least for now. Honestly, I'm I'm like it's a win all the way around. If we like make on-chain fees and the, that fee market never comes to fruition, you know, like I think everybody wins. If you want to be on-chain, you can be on-chain. If you don't, you know, it's a means yeah. to we're all working to the same goal, right? Like whether you're a hardware wallet guy or if you're a lightning guy or privacy coin join on-chain person, we're all trying to make Bitcoin better, right? So that's yeah. what's important to me. Back to the show in a moment. Now, Brains are a Bitcoin mining company through and through, and they're working on some of the most unique and cutting-edge projects in the mining industry. So, firstly, they've got Brains OS Plus. This is aftermarket custom firmware that you can install on your ASIC machine, and this enables you to stack more sats. It's got auto-tuning, which helps you optimize your miner performance and get more hash rate for your electricity bill. They've got a range of supported models, which which you can see on their website, brains.com. That's brains with two eyes. And they also have some really cool features, such as supporting Stratum V2 if you're mining on Slushpool. You are improving your privacy by protecting yourself against hash rate hijacking. And they've got all sorts of other features going, such as the ability to pay 0% pool fees if you're running Brains OS Plus and pointing your hash rate to Slushpool. So that website is brains.com. Are you interested to improve your Bitcoin security? Unchained Capital can help with collaborative custody. So you can bring two hardware wards to the unchained.com website and set up your vault free of charge. And you would only pay if you need them to countersign for you. Now, if you need some additional assistance, they have a concierge onboarding program. So you can pay for this program. They will ship you some hardware wallets. You can then have a video call to teach you how to set up, even if you have never held your private keys before. So instead of leaving your coins on, an exchange or with a custodian or potentially if you want to upgrade from single signature to multi-signature this is a great choice for you go to the website unchained.com select the concierge onboarding program and use the code lavera for a discount there and finally the cold card this is my favorite bitcoin hardware wallet and it's from the team at coinkite.com now with coinkite they've been in the industry for a long time and in recent years they've been focusing on bitcoin hardware and they are continually innovating and adding all sorts of new features 
with your cold card. You can use it in a single signature setup. You can have a passphrase or you can use other features like the Duress pin or the BrickMe pin to automatically wipe the device. You can use this as part of a single signature setup. You can use it with Seed XOR, which is a way to plausibly, deniably store secrets in two or more parts that behave just like the original secret. Or you can use your cold card as part of a multi-signature setup. Go and check it out. It's coinkite.com. And don't forget, you can use the code Levera for a discount and you can order the seed plate to back up your coins with metal as well. And now back to the show. Yeah, so bringing it back to that. So as we were saying around the hardware, what people might have done in years gone by or if they were using a Raspberry Pi as opposed to uh, like a full box, they might have had more issues if they were trying to support lots of users. So for example, in the you know, to use our, our friend Matt O'Dell's term, the Uncle Jim, if they're trying to be the Uncle Jim for their friends and run the node for their friends. But then if they're trying to do that off, say, a Raspberry Pi or a more low-powered device, that can get more difficult, particularly in the case where that those users have a lot of coin join and remix going on because then there's a lot of coins that that machine now has to track and it's got to obviously search through its memory and it's got to keep all of that updated and keep rescanning or if there is rescanning then that can be more problematic or a little bit more difficult so if you guys could comment on that and where you're seeing that today in terms of you know using the more advanced hardware and you know being able to support deeper wallets let's say yeah so for for like the the hardware i mean that's that's why that computing power is so important right like if you if you're going to be an uncle jim you definitely want to be running something like a, a rock pro 64 or depending on how many people that you are running it for i would even say that you know having having a dedicated desktop is probably the like re- most realistic option like something with a lot of ram a lot of power a lot of like multiple as much power as you can get when it comes down to it. Like if you were going to be ho- like hosting 10 active coin join users or more like 10 active dojo users, you, you definitely want those people to all have fast uptimes and everything else. But for, for us, I mean, if you're supporting four or five, six people, um, I haven't seen any issues with rock pro 64 and I haven't really tested the upper threshold. I probably should have, but I will definitely do that before the next show. It's definitely not something that I've seen the issues with. Um, and I have some super deep wallets. Like I'll be very honest. I keep my wallets active and I have not had any, I probably have, I have at least four or five myself and I haven't had any issues with, you know, the rock pro 64. So you know, it's a really solid piece of hardware. And, you know, hopefully I see, hopefully we see a trend towards that now that the Raspberry Pi has kind of been seen as, has had that like moment of, you know, flaw. It was like the Tinker's board, but, you know, really when it comes down to it, the fact that that chip shortage hit them so hard and prices went up so high, I'd like to see a shift to something more powerful. And it just, it makes like transitions easier. Even if people transition away from us, if you know Umbrella or MyNode, MyNode actually does support Rock Pro 64. But like, if everyone supported the Rock Pro 64, and someone wanted to leave our project, I'm okay with that. Now they don't have to buy two, you know, two different devices just to run two different nodes. Or you know, like you know, if they want to transition from one project to us, that's even better. 
it does suck when people are like, I want to run the flagship, but you know, it's, I gotta, I have to wait until I can afford it. And you know, like you just, it like, it sucks when you hear that, but that's also what makes me happy that we do support, you know, support so many different platforms. Excellent. And Dean, anything to add there? Well, I mean, like, I mean, the, the uh, Rock Pro is, is a really good choice. And uh, yeah, as Selko uh, said, right? I mean, buying the Tanto doesn't mean like you you just can run a uh, run in the Ocho. I mean, uh, my node works too. And um, I also know that the BTP server guys, they have a project, uh, it's called Hack, Hack Zero. And they also use the Rock Pro 64 actually as their main testing node device. I mean, the, the Rock Pro is well known on the other projects too. It's just like the whole bus was so big about uh, a Raspberry Pi because Umbrella is Raspberry Pi only. And so the other point that was interesting is around switching between different node implementations, let's say. So if there's Raspberry Blitz, Umbral, MyNode, you know, Ronin Dojo, how are you thinking about that? Like, is that, and maybe this is more of a software question, so maybe Zelko, you're the one to ask. How are you thinking about that idea of making it possible for people to transition between different projects? Is that something you're thinking about or is that not really on the, not, not really a goal? No, no, no. It's a, uh, it's definitely a goal. We're actually, uh, like Wo, one of our main backend devs, he, uh, he's actually implemented and pretty much finished the backend, uh, development for this node migration script. And, uh, and we've also been working with the, uh, what's his name? Aaron, Aaron Dews. Or I, I don't know if I pronounced it right, but sorry, uh, sorry, Aaron. But he actually kind of hit all the false node guys up and, you know, wanted to work on something together and that being one of them. Cause we all, we're all kind of in the same boat where we're like, Hey, it's crappy for users as a whole if they want to switch and then they have to re-download the blockchain. Like we all write our scripts to just like delete. If it's not in a specific directory, like a specific location on your hard drive, it's set to just delete it and then start fresh when, uh, when that doesn't need to be the case. So that's something that we have been working on and we're hoping for the next either, probably not this release, uh, which should be by the end of the month, but most likely the following release, it'll all be done. It's just hard because you need testers, you know? So to test that out perfectly, it's like, I have to reinstall like my node or, you know, uh, Raspi Blitz or Umbrella or whatever, and then switch over to Ronin. So it's a little bit more of a tedious uh, testing process, but yeah, we're, we're pretty much, we're right there at the end. So we're excited to be done with that as well. Yeah, and it's interesting that the Bitcoin community, at least the FOSS Bitcoin community, the free open source community, is focused on this and is even thinking about this because typically what happens with software is people get locked in or it's known as quote-unquote vendor lock-in. And so in this case, it's like we're seeing the projects actually try to cut against that and go against the idea of vendor lock-in so that people actually do have a choice and they're just kind of competing as projects on their own merits, but in an open source way, competing, but cooperating in a sense. Yeah. I mean, that kind of came down to like, you know, the mutual respect that we all had for each other. I think last year, you know, between the like big debates and stuff that we all had, I think a lot of mutual respect came out of it. Like we already had kind of that mutual respect, but it really, it, it really grew to the next level. And, um, you know, even, even for some of the other guys, I know, um, the start nine lab guys, I really like those guys. 
despite the fact that they're not Foss, you know, like Matt Hill and, and his whole team. I met a couple times in person and, um, and they're really good guys. They're just like, they made a business decision. So even, even with them, like we've helped each other on both sides. He kind of, he asked me about the rock pro 64 and, you know, I've asked him some different business tips and stuff that, that he had insight on. And, you know, so it's, it's cool. You know, it's just because ever you don't have a false license doesn't mean that you don't have to respect somebody, but it's, I think it's really the approach that everybody has. Um, how willing you are to work with other people and um, how willing you are to, you know, share stuff because that's really what it comes down to is like with FOSS, like you're trying to share your code. You're trying to share work together to benefit the community as a whole. If you don't care about the Bitcoin community, like what are you really doing? You just, you're just selfish. If you care more about your profits than you do about the, the community as a whole, then you're kind of a dick. But yeah, I don't know. That's uh, yeah. it, it's yeah. been cool to see see everyone work together for sure. Yeah, that's great to see. And uh, so, just maybe if you could spell out what it looks like for customers, like let's say they purchase a Tanto or they install Ronin Dojo. Let's say they purchase the parts and they set it up. What does it look like in terms of the interface and getting set up to let's say pair your mobile phone Samurai wallet with your Ronin Dojo? Yeah, so it's super exciting. Uh, it'll be the process, which man, it was just used to be super long. So now it's going to be with the release at the end of the month, it's going to be, you know, turn on your node with the image on there. If you have the Tonto, it's already going to be in there. Um, and just for record, for anybody that like bought a Tonto and wants to um, not trust us and verify, which is totally cool. You can unscrew the back, reflash that device yourself, and then go for it just for the record. So yeah, you plug it, you start up your device, and then you log into RoninDojo.local or your IP address, uh, HTTP, your IP address, and uh, your Ronin UI will be up and running for you. You'll create a new password, and from there, you're in. And it's going to automatically start downloading Dojo in the blockchain for you. If you're a brand new user, it's already going to start downloading Dojo for you. You don't have to do anything anymore. So for people who aren't familiar, you're basically plugging this into your local power and your network, obviously. And then it's downloading and you can connect to it off your, like you are interfacing with it on the web using your laptop or your computer. And you can then check the settings and do things on there. And also, obviously, pair your Samurai wallet on your mobile phone. So that's kind of the high level there. In terms of managing things like, let's say you need to do a rescan or let's say you need to do different things. Can you talk through like what some of those processes look like? Yeah, absolutely. So we have like a, a roadmap for the just the UI as a whole. But for this release, what you're going to be able to do. So on your main dashboard, number one, it's brand new, totally revamped. Hopefully everyone really likes it. I love it. I think it's sexy, but that's just me. Um, so you're going to be able to see like the status of, of Dojo, the Bitcoin core, like if it's 100% synced up or not, how many transactions are in the mempool, what block height you're at, when the last block came in, all that stuff is going to be on there. And then your uptime of your, your actual system. So how many days or hours your actual device has been left on. As far as maintenance and stuff that you can actually do with it, right? So we have the XPUB tool. So if you are trying to scan in a XPUB um, from a, an existing Samurai wallet, 
you'll be able to plug that in right into your uh, your mobile phone. You can copy it from there and just put it over, or you can use whatever you want and is to copy and paste it into this uh, into the UI. So you'll be able to check the XPub and then rescan it, and it'll import it for you. We have the transaction tool, so you'll be able to check transaction IDs. And then if it's not this release, it'll be next release, but you'll be able to utilize Boltzmann with a visualizer, which is for people that don't know what Boltzmann transaction tool is, it's um, or Boltzmann calculator. It's what kycp.org, knowyourcoinprivacy.org. It's what they use and what OXTP or sorry, OXT does for, yeah. yeah. It's what they use for uh, calculating entropy and how private your transaction was. So specifically what we what we're going to have implemented is a visualizer for Boltzmann. So you want to see you have a transaction, you want to see how many links you have or how private it was. Uh, you're going to be able to see it from your own um, Ronin UI. So that'll be pretty cool. Um, and then, yeah, you can rescan blocks and um, and pretty much do everything that you need to with your dojo uh, right here. And you can check your logs. Uh, you can copy and paste your your logs um, straight from the UI. You can even and send off offline transactions. Well. Yep, updates will come straight through the UI now. It'll pop up on the top when it's ready for you to update. And um, and for those people that are like you know cold storage or offline transaction people, if you have a signed transaction, uh, you can actually pop that in. Uh, you can copy the hex format and you can broadcast your transaction from your node instead of trusting someone else's node. And yeah, you can go in and change your passwords and all that kind of stuff uh, right from there. So, and again, we're going to have more features that we're going to roll out for this uh, UI um, in the following months. But this is step one, uh, a very exciting step. I wanted to be able to show you, uh, Stefan, but you know, you blocked that ability. So that's okay. Next time. <laughs> ah, yeah, we'll, we'll do that another time um, because this one's just audio only. And with the support for Spectre and Sparrow, could you just touch on that as well? So for users of Spectre Desktop or Sparrow, what can they expect to see? So yeah, we just updated to Spectre 1.2.7, uh, which has been a, a really awesome update. And then and again, you can access that via local or via Tor. Uh, your credentials will show you exactly where to go. And the other one is is Sparrow, which I'm super excited about. And I am a little partial towards Sparrow. Just be, I mean, like obviously they implemented Whirlpool. Craig is an awesome dude who's doing really cool stuff. You know, Bit47, like everything that like Samurai Wally users have been like saying, like, why has no one else implemented this stuff? And finally it happened. Uh, so it's pretty cool to see, but you know, with Electrum Rust server uh, zero uh, zero point nine point four, we've seen really good results. Um, I know there's been like a heated debate between Electrum Rust server and Electrum X, and as of right now, that was the downside to Electrum X is just how long it takes to actually like index everything. Um, so we're kind of exploring different options and, um, it is significantly faster once you have it up and running, like instead of 10 to 15 minutes, it's, you know, seven seconds, but yeah, that's, it's something that we have to look at as far as like a, you know, full user option, if that's something that we want to look at, but yeah, we're, we're excited. And then from a, the Tonto perspective, right. Dan, did you want to just quickly touch on like, 
the the design piece like a lot of the hardware stuff like he's you know like din's din's main focus is like the design right the design of the tanto the box the inside how everything is laid out um so i wanted to highlight him to highlight real quick on like why you chose that design the design the way it is on the outer box and how that related to like sparrow and spectrum or specter oh yeah sorry. i mean as the uh, software guys have the a roadmap i mean we also have kind of like the roadmap for the town so that means like i mean that when you look inside the case you know i mean you see a lot of stuff which are kind of like holes and screws i mean we're working on on upgrade there are some requirements from the software guys say we want to do this we want to do that and and we are working on it and there will be some um hardware upgrades the tanto buyers can actually really uh, utilize that thing right i mean from the hardware design at the moment i mean it's actually pretty clear that the whole case is a uh, whole uh, heatsink so that means you don't have that uh, that uh, fan so anymore which is the last mechanical part who actually can could break and we just kept it very simple right also like the power and the uh, reset button usually you don't want to uh, touch uh, by accident so you have to kind of like go in with uh, with the allen key when you want to do that and um, the light indicator is a request you know we actually got it from a uh, uh, matt Orel. i mean he said like look i just want to see like when it's blinking it's not ready and when it's on when it's shiny i know i can use it right and uh, simple as that and we just need it right keep things simple yeah the light thing is really cool i'm not gonna lie like as like a, a normal person I like the LED light, especially, you know, when we get it to where it's going to be programmed, right? That when you get a Whirlpool mix, it's going to, it's going to like flash or do something cool, or it's going to, you know, maybe one day we'll have it set to like Tony Stark and it's going to be like, you know, Jarvis is going to tell you that you have a Whirlpool mix <laughs> or some secret code so that you don't like box yourself that you got a Whirlpool mix, you know, like, like something cool. You know, that's the, that's the goal. You know, we want to make privacy sexy, you know, and that's kind of, it goes a lot, even with LED light, it, it goes right. <laughs> awesome. Just around, if anyone's got questions around support, I know this is something you previously were offering. Is that, is that still the offering now in terms of people who want to pay for premium support or how does support work for people who might be looking to either purchase the product or set it up for themselves and get support? Of course. Yeah. So, um, we have a model right now, which is we have a silver and a gold uh, premium support. And so what we do with that, it's gold is two months, silver is one month. Um, and you get that like dedicated hand, I don't want to call it handling because it almost like kind of like um, sounds belittling. I don't think it is because I was a handheld person. So, but yeah, it's that dedicated one-on-one -on -one time or as much time as you need um and so yeah you get two months for gold one month for silver and that's our current model we are looking to actually do something brand new which is it's going to actually be able to open up to the community a little bit more and it's going to be kind of like a bounty type option that we might do or one-on-one -on -one, like you know 30 minute calls etc kind of thing um the whole idea you know with support is that you want users to feel you're, like they're important because they are. I've spent many hours, especially in the beginning of my journey, 
that's how I kind of got to the knowledge base that I did was through helping other people. But if I didn't have other people help me, I wouldn't have been able to learn anything that I did. So, um, you know, with, with a good support model, it's all about making, making sure that the people feel like they they're getting what they paid for. And, um, and, you know, like it's, we have a lot of people that actually just pay for support just to, you know, help pay our program, help pay for us to, uh, to keep the lights on. So, uh, we appreciate yeah. all the people that have done that. And, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm, we haven't finished ironing out all the details on our new support model, but when we do, it's going to be really cool. And my partner S2, he's, a uh, he's all in on, on making that plan. That's kind of his baby, but yeah, so we do have those support models right now and you can pay with Bitcoin. It's actually exactly. the only way that we accept support payment. Thank God. Fiat is terrible. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool to see. So that'll be good. Uh, I think those are probably the key questions I had for you guys. But uh, if you had any closing thoughts for listeners, and maybe if you could uh, spell out for them why they should consider Ronin Dojo, consider using CoinJoin and privacy techniques. And of course, where can they find you? Cool. Hey, Dan, you want to go first? I'm in the the closing on uh, my side. I I was... um... I'm super thankful for that, that uh, once we launched it uh, after Christmas, they just started to buy it, you know, and I was like, wow, super, super thankful for that. Even um, we are still um, building our Ronin Dojo website, so uh, uh, brand new with all the details and stuff. I'm really looking forward for a super exciting year because we do have a, a roadmap on the hardware side for sure. And uh, the Tanto is the middle tier. There will be a flagship called the Katana. And we also want to serve, uh, create something for really uh, a nice entry point that nobody is left out. That's actually my goal and my task for this year. Yeah. yeah. And Zelko? Yeah. So to kind of jump off what he was saying, like we appreciate all the support that we got, you know, with people buying these things. It's a, like a real, uh, I know, I guess eye opener to realize that like that we've worked so hard and put all this effort between, you know, Dan with his case design and, and, and all the hardware pieces. And then us being able to actually like finish the software, do everything that we've like envisioned and to have the community support us, the amount that they did, um, you know, was amazing. And so we, we really appreciate everything um, that the community has done for us. And, um, I remember, I know that Stefan, you bet you were there in the beginning, like you, you saw where we started. So I'm hoping by the end of the month, when you see this next one, you're going to be like, holy crap, like these guys have come a long way because it sure feels like that. And, you know, we really wouldn't be here without the community. We really are a false team who legitimately, if we didn't have people come help us, I don't know where we would be, you know, we'd probably still be learning a lot of code and still just passionate about privacy. So yes, support, support our FOSS team, you know, whether that's steel plates or whether that's, you know, running a full node, buying a Tonto or, uh, you know, just coming in and, and chatting with our team, you know, it's all about giving back in some way or shape or form. Uh, that's what Bitcoin's about. And that's what, you know, free and open source software is about. It's about giving back. So, you know, yeah, I appreciate you having us on, Stefan, and uh, we're excited to see, you know, see how all the the feedback is from when people get these awesome devices in their hands. They're going to love it, and uh, hopefully everyone gets excited too. Fantastic. 
All right. Well, uh, thanks very much for joining me, Zelko and Din. And listeners, go check out RonanDojo.io. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Very thanks, man. Get the show notes at stefanlevera.com slash 341. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the Citadels. 